morning. Amen? Amen. Okay, would you just say hello to the person around you today? Maybe not the one that's right next to you like we always do, but maybe the one that's behind you, in front of you. Get their name. We're glad to have you here with us today. Thank you. 
Good singing there. As we continue just worshiping the Lord this morning, would you pray with me for just a moment? And just um, let's ask God's presence to be filled in this place today and just ask him to speak to us. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are the author of our salvation. We thank you so much, Lord, that you died on the cross for each one of us and that you are a mighty God and that you are mighty to save. Lord, we just praise you this morning. Awaken our love every day for you, Lord God. Because you love us, Lord God, that should be the very reason that we get up in the morning, the reason that we breathe, the reason that we walk through our day with joy in our hearts and peace in our souls and in our minds because of your love. Thank you for letting us sing to you today about your mighty gift of salvation, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Now I'd like you to sing this song with all your heart this morning.
seated, please. Around the world, nearly 800 million people do not have enough to eat. Every day, nearly 8,000 kids die from hunger-related causes. In Sub-Saharan Africa, about one in four people are undernourished, meaning they are hungry or not getting enough of the right kinds of food. Here, one in 12 children will not survive to their fifth birthday. Thirty hours, barely more than a day. In that short time, global hunger won't disappear. But if we answer God's call, if we take the first step, nothing will slow us down. Think about what you can accomplish in 30 hours. When you choose to inspire action in everyone around you, you become part of something bigger than yourself. We won't end global hunger overnight, but when you do the 30-hour famine, you are joining with thousands of young people around the world who are working for a hunger-free world. Now is the time to make a difference. Raise funds, save lives, feed your faith. A hunger-free world is possible. It begins with each one of us. Good morning. My name is Sean Sriplow, and I'm just uh, happy to take a minute of your time and ex uh, just tell you a little bit about an event that we are hosting here at Connect Students, our teen center just across the way here. Uh, it's called the 30-Hour Famine, and our students are participating in this, and um, it's a really unique opportunity. Um, so the first thing that we're going to do here is our kids, they're going to fast for 30 hours. That means they're going to go without food for 30 hours. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, that can be extremely difficult. Sometimes I can't go three hours with at least a snack. But uh, our kids, we're challenging them to go 30 hours without eating any food. They'll have some water, and they'll have juice and stuff. Um, so they're going to do that, and that's going to help them to help understand what it's like to go without some of the necessities in life. Just to give them just a glimpse of what it's like to be, you know, maybe a kid somewhere else not so fortunate. And uh, so it's going to help. We're going to help plant that into their mind. Number two is we're going to raise funds. So uh, we're already starting. Uh, we're going to do some fundraising for this leading up to this event. Um, so the kids are going to raise funds. And all the money helps to uh, raise funds. We're going to give this. This is all be part of World Vision. And uh, they help distribute that so that uh, we can meet uh, kids' needs. Uh, we can also help educate people. And then number three, so that they can uh, teach people about Jesus Christ, which is what's the most important necessity. And so... Uh, they're going to help be a part of that. All that money goes there, and uh, it's an incredible organization, and we're really happy and really excited to be a part of it. And number three is we're going to be serving in our local communities. So we have some local service projects we're going to do over the weekend. This is October 21st through the 23rd, the end of October. 
and uh, we're going to do some service projects to help meet the needs here because we know that people have needs here in our local communities as well. And so this is a great opportunity for students to be a part. And uh, so I just want to introduce that to you. So we need people to pray. Uh, please be praying for our students as they're going to be challenged. Uh, for them, this is a big challenge. And so some, some of them might be intimidated. And so we want to pray for our students. We also want to pray for our leaders because not only are they working with teenagers, but they're going to be working with really hungry teenagers. And so we're going to need extra prayer for our leaders. And um, also, if, you, if you're a parent and you have any concerns or questions, uh, please feel free to ask um, myself or our, our uh, student pastor, Caleb York. Uh, we'll be out there at the information desk. But I wanted to throw that out to you and just let you know a little bit of what we're doing over at the Teen Center here at the end of October. Thanks. All right. Well, we welcome you to Crossroads Ministries today. We're glad that you're here. Would you please take the friendship folder? It's the little black folder on one of the ends of the aisles and, uh, and sign in and check in with us there. That helps us if you, uh, to be able to minister to your family better. We're so glad that you're here today. It's been a wonderful weekend here at the Crossroads. Uh, uh, our mission here at the church is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you read that with me? We exist to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what, why we exist. That's what motivates us. That's, uh, that's uh, what everything that we do here is, uh, is focused on. So we're glad that you're here today. We're so thankful for what God is doing in the church. He's growing us deeper and wider at the same time. So we're thanking God for all that he's doing and how he's moving in the church. Uh, on Wednesday night, we have our, our Wednesday evening at 6.30. We have Clubhouse Kids downstairs. That's for children up through fifth grade. And then over at Connect Students, we have that at 6.30 as well at our Straight Street building over in Library. Um, we want to invite you, all the teenagers to be over there for that as well. And then we also have a, uh, a men's group and a women's group that meet up here on Wednesday evening. So come out and check out those things. But we also have what we're starting with called life groups coming up here. Uh, you can sign up today in the back of the auditorium to get involved in a life group. A life group is a group of 5 to 12 people to get together. Some may be couples. Uh, we're going to start groups that are couples groups. We'll start groups that are uh, single groups, men groups, women's groups. We're going to start all kinds of groups. But uh, you sign up and we'll help you find the right group. And in about two weeks, we're going to have a, what is called a life group launch event. So we're going we're to be launching these. And uh, you sign up. They'll give you some more information. That's going to be October 17th. But even if you can't make the launch event, we want you to get into a life group event. Uh, life group, uh, get into a life group. So please stop by the table or you can go to the website, crossroadsministries.com forward slash life groups. And, uh, and you can uh, just sign in. You can do it on your phone or your iPad right in your seat. And you can uh, give us your information and uh, we will have somebody contact you about getting into a life group. So we're excited about the, the fact that the life groups are going to be centered around three things. Fun. We want you to have fun. Come and enjoy each other's company. Uh, 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 fun sometimes means food will be involved, right? So we want you to have fun. We want you to develop your faith. We want you to grow in your faith in Christ. We're going to have, uh, uh, there'll be a time of study of God's Word. And then we want you to have fellowship where you're actually learning what it means to be the church. Develop a group of people around you who will pray for you, who will care for you, that you can bear one another's burdens with. And so I, I want to encourage you, jump in on one of those groups. Uh, we're asking the groups to meet twice a month. So you'll meet twice a month. It'll be two hours. Once, another time, two hours. All right? So each time, two hours, twice a month. 
And I encourage you, just get involved and be connected. When we get around other people that encourage us and push us forward, where we can be honest, where we can, as Wade shared last week, where we can just confess our faults one to another, grow together, and watch what God will do. So uh, please stop by the table in the back of the auditorium there today. And then you'll see that we have um, uh, Trunk and Treat coming up. That's October the 26th. That's a Wednesday evening. This is the night that we come up here. We, uh, we'll have our new parking lot by then. That's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, you see out on the, at the end of the parking lot, there's a truck out there because they're going to be drilling and putting in new, new light poles. We're got, Jim's so happy we're getting LED lights out there, you know. So if you're around Jim Watts anymore, just say LED and he'll light up. He loves LED lights, all right. So I, I think he's going to turn into one. But anyhow, so we're, we're putting LED lights out on the parking lot. We're thrilled. And then the parking lot, we're going to get a, a new parking lot. And we're just so thankful that that is happening here this October. By October the 26th, that should be done. And we'll have our new parking lot. We'll be out there. And we're going to invite people from the community. There are typically two to 300 kids that come. So we ask you would, you, would you go out and buy some candy? Would you sit by the trunk of your car, put out a lawn chair, and hand out candy? Uh, just come, maybe you can decorate it. And, uh, and I know one year we had a couple people. They were Moses and Miriam. They were, they, were, they were having a ball with that. I saw other ones were SpongeBob's and, and all kind of crazy characters. All right? So we want to encur- encourage you. Just come up and have a fun time with us. Hand out candy as there will be hundreds of people here from the community. If you'd like to get involved, you ha- we do ask you to pre-register for that. Uh, you can go to the website forward slash TNT serve or stop by the life group table in the back of the auditorium. There's forms there that you can fill out. Maybe you can hand out candy. Maybe you can also be on the prep team. We need people to help get this place ready for that. The teardown team because uh, it, when everybody leaves, it's always fun when you see three people tearing that down. We have a nice big teardown team. So there's plenty of opportunities to get involved and serve. So that's trunk and treat coming up. Let's be praying for that. This time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. As we receive the morning offering, I just uh, I want to thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God has been so good. And as, uh, as we come to Him, uh, we, this is the time of the service when we respond to Him for all that He's done for us. He's given us everything that we have, and we respond by returning a portion to Him. It belongs to Him. So let's pray this morning. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you for the way that you love us, the way that you care for us, the way that you've allowed us to, to come together as a church and to, to be, a part of, uh, be a part of this assembly, Lord, where we can be encouraged and, and loved and, and, and care for one another. So God, I ask that uh, you'll be with us now as we, as we worship you, that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In your name we pray. Amen.
So we've been in a series, hashtag I love my church, and I see all the shirts are, are moving out of here pretty good. If you'd like to get a shirt, stop by the foyer afterwards and they'll help you get one. Uh, we're just charging enough to help pay for the cost of uh, printing them. They're only $6 or something like that. But uh, we're, we're thankful to be in a church where we can say that, that I love my church. And uh, we ask people to start wearing those t-shirts and, uh, and, and be able to spread this theme out there that... I love my church, and I, I've, uh, we found some people are putting it on Facebook. They're putting it on social media, um, hashtag I love my church, and you're telling why. We even had, uh, there was somebody here this morning that came to the first hour. Uh, a lady put up, hashtag I love my church, and she put her reason why, and her neighbor said, if you love your church that much, I want to come. And so she came. She came on Wednesday night to the, to the ladies' Bible study, and she was here this morning, and, and I thought, what an exciting thing just by the church being the church. So let's give that lady a hand, all right? That's just awesome, you know? That's just, you know? I, I want to encourage you to do the same. Uh, take that bold step. Hashtag I love my church. Why do I love my church? Um, most people don't say that out there. Jesus said, I love the church. Paul told us to, uh, to love our wives as Christ loved the church. So therefore, we should love our church. And, and this is our local assembly here. This is the local part of the body of Christ. It's a, it's a global movement. It's international. It's all around the globe. But, but here we are. This is our gathering where we get to be encouraged and lifted up. This summer, I was, I was up here, and they were getting ready, for, I think it was for vacation, Bible school, or one of our events. And I'll never forget, I, I saw a group of people that came together, and they were unified. Uh, they, were, they were excited, they were, they were encouraging one another, and there were like 20 or 30 people all over the church. They were getting ready to, to bring people to Christ. That's what we're all about. We exist to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And so these people, they, they were so excited, and they were working hard, and I saw people working through problems. There were some tough things that they were dealing with, things didn't work like they wanted them to but they worked through the problems, and, and people, they were out serving. They said, I'll make this happen. I'll do this. We'll go. And they, put their, they, they worked together as a team. And I'll never forget, because I left here, and uh, I got in the car. I was on the way to another appointment, and I took my phone out, and I did the old talk to text, you know? And I, and I talked to text, and I put it on my social media. I love, love, love my church. And that's why, because I saw a group of people that come together here, and they were unified working for the goal that God has called us to. There was no complaining, no crying, no whining. It was people were just so excited 
and they saw problems and they worked through it and they said we're moving forward to, towards the common goal. Uh, it's a, the church is a place where somebody is watching out for your soul. That's why I love the church. It is a place where, where somebody is watching out for your soul. And I want you to think about that because when you go to any other place outside of the church, who is watching out for you, yet alone your soul? Think about it. If you go to work and you don't perform so well, what happens at work? Ooh, it's not too good, is it? Uh, if, you, uh, if you don't perform so well, you, you have failure, and, uh, or, or you make the person in the cubicle next to you mad and upset, what happens? Ooh, it's not a very good time. Uh, it, it, things, things get ugly out there. Where's the place where people really care about you? Where they're really pouring and investing into you? And that's what I found in the church. I found that this is a place where people are caring about my soul. From the time I was a little kid and came here from, you know, on the old days and the buses and all that, uh, from, the t- from the very first day, I found that the church is a place where people cared for my soul. They cared about everything about me, and my soul was a big concern. They wanted to make sure that I had eternal life. They wanted to make sure that I had an abundant life. And that's what God's called us to. So I want to encourage you this morning to, uh, to, to love your church because, uh, because of what God is doing here. This is a place where we look out for your soul. As, as pastor, that's one of my primary concerns is your soul. It's to, to make sure that you understand how to get to heaven. To make sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Not that you just came to church and had a great day. But that you understand that Jesus died on the cross. He came back to life again for you. And you've accepted him as your personal savior. You're growing in Christ. You're moving forward in Christ. That's what we're all about here. The church is a place of goal. We have a goal. You know, if you, if you didn't have a goal, it would be kind of a boring place. Um, it's like a football game without a goal. It's kind of boring, isn't it? Some of you are saying, I'm remembering last Sunday. It was a tough, tough week huh, in Philadelphia. I, you know, we should have more than one, more than one goal, more than one field goal, right? We should have, uh, you've got to have a goal. If if you're not working together, going down the same page, it is, life can be really boring. And that's what the church is all about. The church, we've come together and our mission is given to us by Jesus. The very last things that he said before he went into heaven was to go out and make disciples. You'll be my witnesses. He says, this is what you're to do. And so that's been our mission. And for 2,000 years, that's been the mission of the church is to go out and make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. And that's what we've been here for. And you know what? It's, uh, the way we do that is by encouraging one another. We come here and we encourage one another. I, um, I'm reminded of uh, whenever our kids were little and, and you want to potty train your kid, you always encourage them. And whenever they had a success, you yay! I have to share this with you. This week, um, Dan and Christy McNeese's son, CJ, he came up here. And Dan, how old is he? Two or three? Three. He's three years old. He come in. He was in the hallway. And uh, he goes up and he goes, Pastor Ken! Just looking at me. You know, he's got this look on him. And uh, he goes, I'm not wearing a diaper anymore. <laughs> I got down and I shook his hand. I said, congratulations, son. And he looked back. And then somebody else talked to me, come back, he goes, I'm not wearing a diaper anymore. <laughs> and he said it like three times. And you know what? Has, not, not, I looked, I saw, I saw a family that said, man, I'm raising my child, this is the right thing. And they were encouraging him, and they were applauding him. And man, we were having a big party up here because he wasn't wearing a diaper anymore. 
Uh, and we were thrilled. But that's what you do. You come alongside. That's what we do in the church. We come alongside one another and we encourage one another. We say, yes, you're moving forward. God is doing something in your life. You've had success. You've had victory. And we encourage one another. One of the greatest snapshots I see, though, uh, of, the, of, the, of the church is in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We're going to look there this morning. But I want to share with you, um, as we come and encourage one another, there is a, a lot of room for encouragement and there's a lot of room for growth. We, we are growing. As I said a few weeks ago, we're, we're a messy people. God loves our mess. He come and he died on a cross because of our mess. And, uh, and he transforms us. And so as, as part of his transformational process, he makes us into what he wants us to be. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Uh, it's not of works so that no one can boast. Uh, this here is, is one of the key verses of our faith. It really is. Because we're not here to work for our salvation. You cannot work. If you go to church all your life and don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've missed the point. Because God isn't sitting there and saying, okay, you went 700 times to church. Uh, he's not keeping record of how many times you went to church. Um, uh, if, you, if you say, well, you know what? I, I've, uh, I've given my money to help these people. I've helped little old ladies across the street. Uh, you look at all the, all the things that we can do. This verse here clears that all up. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace is when God gives you something that you don't deserve. And what's he given us that we don't deserve? Number one, heaven. You get to spend eternity in heaven with him. That is huge. And you don't get it by earning it. You get it by the finished work of Christ on the cross. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. And he says uh, it is by grace, by God's grace, through faith. So you place your faith in Christ, not in your good works, not in some other uh, thought, but only in Christ, that he died on the cross and that he is the resurrected Lord. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God so that no one can boast. But the very next verse, and a lot of people have known verses 8 and 9, but the very next verse tells us something really, really important. He says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's workmanship. I want to spend a little bit of time this morning uh, developing this thought here about what is God's workmanship, that we are his workmanship. So I want you to uh, just look at the person that you're with and look at them and say, you are God's workmanship. Go ahead. Okay? That's the church. The church is, is a place of, of, of lives that come together where God is working and he's transforming lives. To the average eye, it was a mutilated piece of marble, an aborted sculpture that had been abandoned for 50 years before by Agostino de Ducci. Uh, but, but, by a young, but a young artist, Michelangelo, saw that something in the stone, uh, saw something in the stone that others did not. He chiseled the 18-foot block of stone for four years. And that worthless block of stone was destined to become perhaps the greatest statue ever sculpted by human hands. Giorgio Vasari, a 16th 
century and author, uh, century artist and author. He called it nothing less than a miracle. Michelangelo resurrected a dead stone, breathed artistic life into it, and David came into existence. His, his sculpture of David, 18-foot sculpture. And as he chiseled, Michelangelo envi- envisioned the uh, imagine del cor, the image of the heart. He believed that the masterpiece was already inside the stone. He removed the excess stone so that David could escape. He didn't see what was. He saw what could be. He didn't see imperfections in the stone. He saw a masterpiece of unparalleled beauty. That's how God sees us. You are his workmanship. Uh, You look at your life, you look at the people around you. We don't often look at each other as as the masterpiece of God, do we? But here's what we are. We are the masterpiece of God. And as you look at others, sometimes you're looking and you say, wow, that's a whole lot of rough edges over there. I see a chunk of marble that's worthless. But God says, no, no, no. I see something so much deeper. I see. I see what I'm going to do in this person's life. I see transformational work. I am not looking at what he is. I'm looking for how he is in my sight. That is a beautiful, beautiful work of my, of my hand. You see, I want you to think about this because the, um, uh, Vincent Van Gogh said this. He said that Christ is more of an artist than artist. He works in living spirit and flesh. He makes men instead of statues. The, the word here for workmanship is, uh, it, it comes from the Greek word poema, which means like a poem. In other words, it can be used like this. Uh, you are God's work of art. You are his novel. You are his masterpiece, his painting. You are the masterpiece of God. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song around here. It went something like this. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the... The, uh, the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, for he's still working on me. And as I was preparing for this, that song came into my head, and I thought, you know what, isn't that so true? God took six days to make the heavens and the earth, and then on the seventh he rested. But he's been working on this masterpiece for 48 years. 48 years. I'll tell you what. It took him six days to make the heavens and the earth. And for you, he's been working on your life for all your life. And look at the time that he's putting into you. And how many times do we discredit the work of God because we can't see what God sees? God's looking at you. He's looking at your wife. He's looking at your kids. He's looking at all the people in your life. And he says, I, you are my master." You are the work of my hand. So I am I'm so thrilled to be able to say that God has been working on me for 48 years. And that I have, look, look how much more value that I have than the sun and the earth and the moon and the stars. It took him six days for that. He's been developing me. He's been growing me. He's been changing me. And God is doing something super powerful, and that's what he's doing in your life. You are his masterpiece. Do you realize there's no one else like you? None. Uh, you may say, I have a twin. My wife, her sisters are twins. She has, uh, she's not a twin, but her sisters are. She has two, uh, they're, you know, Dawn and Darla. They're great, great ladies. But I'll be honest with you, when I, first, when I first met them, I couldn't tell them apart. And, you know, it was one of those things where it's like a little uncomfortable, you know. You're just 
you just start dating and you're like, you don't, you can't figure out your wife's twin sister's names. You know, you just feel like, oh, what, what's wrong with me here, right? But I'll tell you, they are not identical. I have found everything to be different about them. They have, uh, their, their personalities are different. Uh, the, the way that they look, I can look at them now and tell an exact difference on them. There's no longer a question in my mind. Uh, God has not made any two people exactly the same. We are his masterpiece. God's given each one of you different giftedness, different uh, likes and dislikes. He's made you. He's shaped you to, for his glory. And this is a really exciting thing that we are the handiwork of God. We are the masterpiece of God's work. I want you to think about that because everyone in this room is important. There's nobody who is non-important. That's why I love the church. I love the church. It's a place where we watch out for each other's souls. But we are, we are the masterpiece of God. And you're sitting in a museum this morning of masterpieces. And you're looking around here and you say, wow, look at all the work of God. This is the handiwork of God. And he's transforming us. And hopefully, um, hopefully as you look on my life, you see that I'm growing. And as I look on your life, I see that you're growing. I see what God's continued work in your life. But there's a second part to this. He says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There's why, you know, good works don't get you to heaven, but the very reason that he called you unto himself was so that you could have a plan and a purpose and so that you could do his good work. Now, here's what is really encouraging to me. He doesn't say, just go out and do good work. He says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. He already clarified that you can't earn your way into heaven. But he says here, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do, there's the verb, to do good works. And then he says, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. The concept of being prepared, this, uh, this idea of prepared was actually came from, a, it was an ancient custom that whenever a king came, they would send the servants ahead to prepare safe passage for the king. And, uh, and as, as they came, the, the servants would come in, clear out, make sure there no, no, nothing in harm's way, make sure there was food for the king, uh, remember the whole cupbearer, all that stuff. So they, w- they would come and the king would be prepared. Today, the Secret Service does that for the President of the United States. I'll never forget, in 1990, when I graduated from Liberty University, I was the, um, I, I was the class that President George H. Bush spoke at. He was the acting president in 1990. And I'll tell you what happened for a few weeks before President Bush got there. You saw the Secret Service starting to come our campus. And they were looking all over Lynchburg. They, they planned everything. They had a hospital route planned if something went wrong. Uh, the Secret Service is known for finding the hospital plan, finding food issues, all kind of things to make sure that the president had a safe journey. And in case there was a disaster, what would happen? How would we deal with it? I'll never forget, we had to go through a metal detector to get into my graduation. And I thought how, how uncommon it was back then. Now you have to do that to get into ninth grade. It's just a, a different day, isn't it? Okay? But uh, they had a metal detector for us to go through our graduation. And, uh, and I'll never forget, we're sitting there on the field, and you know they had some entertainment going on, waiting for the president to come. And in comes three helicopters. And you see in the middle one, George H. Bush waving out the window. It was such a good memory. But I'll never forget that they prepared the way, the safe way. And Warren Wiersbe says this. This is what God has done for you. He's prepared the way for you 
to do good works. Now, now catch this. this. This is wild. We, we, we encourage you, step up and serve. There's a, there's a thing in your bulletin, step up and serve. Fill that out and, and hand it in. And here's what God's doing. Check this out. God is preparing a way for you to do what he's called you to do. Now, is that powerful or is that powerful? This isn't like, oh, just go do something. This is, you know, God has a plan for your life, and he's given you a passion. You're good at certain things. You're not good at other things. And, and so you go and you say, here's my hands, here's my feet, Lord. I'm going to serve. And you come into the church and you serve and, and you find a place. I put on, our, on, the, on your little form there this morning, uh, parking lot. You know, we're going to get a new parking lot. We want to have greeters all over the place out there, people just welcoming people and saying, hey, here, we're the park next. Orange vest on. Have fun and invite them in. Jack has been so faithful out there for all these years. We want to we want to add more to the team out there. Uh, welcoming teams, uh, places in children's ministry, uh, uh, teen ministries, all over the place. Why? Not because we're trying to build some program, but because when you serve, God has something planned. He has divine appointments planned for you. This morning, when you came into church, you may recognize some people around you that you don't know. Do you realize that God has an opportunity for you to be used by him, for you to turn around and say, hi, my name is Ken. And when you turn around and you introduce yourself to somebody, you are, you, there's, there, there, that is a, that's a huge step right there. I think sometimes that we've got this, this mentality that, that, uh, that the good works are so hard to do that we can't keep up with them. In the meantime, God has done all the work for you. God has worked for you on the cross. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. He came back to life again. And he says, I've called you unto myself. Now here's what I want you to do. This is, this is the next leg of the journey. So, so what you do doesn't get you to heaven. But God has a plan for you to do things. And when you go out and you do them, God changes your life and he transforms your life. He does this powerful work in your heart. Um, Philippians 2.12 Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He says to go and work. Uh, he's not saying work for, he says work out. It's like a spiritual workout. Uh, when, when we lift, we, you, you, you want to build a muscle, you have to get that muscle to 70% of exertion. It's painful, it's hard, you may break a sweat, but it's work. And so God has called us to do good works, not convenient works, uh, not, not if it feels comfortable work. He's called us to go out and work for him. What has God called us to do? He's called us to step up to the plate. Uh, people who have been saved by the power of God serve people. Saved people will serve people. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to begin, begin a life of service, begin a life of showing who, uh, who your Lord is. Joshua 24, 14 and 15 says this, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Joshua's at the end of his life. He's, uh, he, he's near the end, at end of his, his call, what God has called him to do. His life is soon to be over. He followed a great leader, Moses. The people that he had, many of the people that he was working with had parents that were uh, in slavery or grandparents that were in slavery. And now this new generation didn't have to live that way. 
They've been freed. And God's done all these great things, and they have forgotten. And their direction got lost. They lost their direction. And what happened was they started to serve other gods. And look what Joshua says here. He says, now, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord, okay? I want you to respect him. I want you to honor him. Because what he says, he follows through on. God means business. He's holy. He's just. He's love. He's the complete package. Everything he said he is, he is. And so Joshua says, I want you to fear the Lord and serve him. I have found this out about love. When you love, you serve. And Joshua here is challenging. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him. Throw away the gods, small g, that your forefathers had. Throw away the ones that you worship beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. See, if I'm going to serve my wife, if I'm going to love my wife, I need to serve her. That's just just the reality of how it goes. Um, If I love my wife, and I just always say to her, I love you, honey. I love you. Oh, honey, I love you. Oh, honey, I love you. How long is that going to go? On all the women are nudging their husbands right now, right? It doesn't go very far. But if I say, honey, I love you, and then I make sure that the grass is cut. Honey, I love you, but I make sure that her needs are met. Honey, I love you, and I'm even going to take you on a date. Woo-hoo! We made it out to that theater where the chairs come up. You know, you're in the recliners. I'll tell you what, man, we were... I, I went up a few points this week, you know? Uh, we, we went and saw Captain Solly. That was a, a good movie, Solly, all right? So we're sitting out there, had a nice little dinner afterwards. Listen, when you love somebody, you serve them. It's not enough for me to tell her, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. I, I follow through a serve, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants you to serve. Love the Lord and serve Him. As a matter of fact, Joshua went on the next verse here, verse 15. He says, but if you serve the Lord, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. And I find this is one of the areas that we struggle with in our culture. Undesirable. We say it's not fun enough. We say it's too long, too short, too fast, too slow, too hot, too cold. He says here, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then he says this, you choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here's the reality. You must choose whom you will serve because you will serve someone or somebody. If I'm not serving the Lord, I'm serving something. And here's what happens. We tend to serve things that are short-lived, that are very temporary. We, send to serve, we tend to serve ourselves. And when we start looking at all the reasons why I couldn't serve, you know, when you come and you serve here at the church, yes, God uses you. You're, you're meeting needs. It's fantastic. But those are really the training wheels of service to get us serving every day of our life. Because it's a lifestyle of serving. How, what, what does God call me to do? He's called me to serve. Um, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Commit to the right direction. You can change. Commit your life to God. Commit to the direction of God. Here's what happens. Sometimes people think, well, I prayed some prayer and that must be it. 
No, 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 I'm committing to the direction of God. I'm committing to Him, and I'm serving Him. I've come into Him. Good intentions don't change anyone. It's when we commit to a direction that we change. So I want to encourage you to commit to the direction of God. Commit all your ways unto the Lord, and He will bless. He will direct your path. He'll take care of it. But the word is commit. And so I want to encourage you this morning, commit your ways unto the Lord. Israel was in a situation where they had forgotten. And so Joshua pulls the, the, the children of Israel and he says, listen, choose who you will serve. It was a wake-up call. And it's really a sad thing that here at the end of his life, at the end of the book of all the great things that God had done, at the end, Joshua says, okay, but as for me and my house, this is what I'm doing, I'm following God. And as powerful of a statement as that is, it's really sad that more and more people wouldn't follow in and, and follow suit. So I want to encourage you today to choose the direction of your life. What is, who are you following? Are you following God or are you following yourself? Or are you following what pleases you? What makes you feel good? What, 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 what is comfortable? What is convenient? God has called you to work from. You're his masterpiece. He, he has prepared in advance something for you to do. Now check this out. If God has prepared something in advance for you to do and I don't do it, Look at what I've missed out on. The King of kings and the Lord of lords who's working on my life, he says, I want you to say hi to that person in church today, and I don't speak up and say hi. Uh, that, that part, that he, he said, I'm, I want you to do something. Maybe, maybe he's called you. You know, downstairs in our children's ministry, there are people opening up God's Word, and they're giving the Bible verses to children right now as we speak. They're loving them, they're caring for them, and they are opening up God's Word, and somebody's life is getting changed right now because God prepared the way. And you hear us ask for help, it's not because we need a bigger program, it's because God has prepared the way and God is sending us children. God is sending us so many children. It's so super exciting right now. And he's saying, I just need somebody who will come and give them my word. I need somebody who will come and love them and who will show up and learn their name. And who will love them when they're unlovely, who will care for them, and who will always be there for them. My daughter, Kara, student at Liberty University right now, she talks to me quite often about the people that were helping out in these ministries. There's a lot of people that have made impacts in their life, but I'll, I'll just share with you three of them this morning. One was Karen Gazetsky. Karen Gazetsky is currently teaching in the fourth and fifth grade downstairs. And uh, she actually comes to Saturday night service and then comes to serve on Sunday. How convenient is that? Saturday night in the gathering, Sunday to serve. She is, uh, she's in the 60-plus category. I don't ask age after 60, right? She's in the 60-plus category. She has been faithfully serving. She has gone with every change that we've endured down there. And she has been so faithful. And you know what? My daughter says to me, Dad, Mrs. Gazetsky is the coolest lady. Why? Because she knew her name. Because she taught her the books of the Bible in order. And she got, she, on Sunday, my daughter would come back and have to try and memorize the books of the Bible in order. And, and she discipled her and she cared for her. And she... And she after fifth grade, she left there and went over to the youth group. And she got over into the youth group, and, and my daughter says, you know what, know who's the coolest lady in, in middle school? 
Denise Maxton. Why? Because Denise Maxton knew her name. And Denise Maxton came over and cared about her and put her arm around her and, and loved her when she was unlovely and loved her. And, you know, when you start getting to middle school, this whole thing happens. These girls start to look at the boys, and it's really a dangerous ground. And that's what started to happen. And Denise Maxton was there and started to love her. And then she went through high school. She went through our whole four years of high school and, uh, and uh, all the ups and downs of high school. And guess who was there? Christy McNeese. The night before my daughter left for college, of course, I was a basket case. I just wasn't really let them go, right? But the night before my daughter left for college, guess who was on my porch? Denise Maxton, Christy McNeil. Were they running a church program? No. They were caring about somebody's soul. They poured into their life, and they said, we love you, Kara. And you know what? Guess who's still talking to them? All these people, and those are just three of the highlights. There are so many other people that have poured into them, and my kids have been so such, such, such thrilled to be a part of the environment here. When they go away to college, guess what they did? They're at, uh, they're at Liberty University. They have, a, they, have, they have an opportunity to go to church that has like 5,000 people in it. And they're texting back and saying, Dad, there's no church like ours. I'm like, huh? What do you mean nothing like ours? You're at Liberty University. Dad, we miss home so much. The people love us. The people care for us. You see, when we serve God, use us. God had a plan for those people to be in my daughter's life. And God has plans for you. And I want to encourage you, don't miss those plans. Let me share with you a few things. Tom Rayner, uh, uh, he's kind of like a research guru. He, he's come up with 29 reasons why people say that they can't serve in the church. Number one is I'm too busy with work. I'm too busy with family commitments. I'm too busy with family problems. I have a sick family member. I'm too busy with other things. Sounds like busyness is a big reason, doesn't it? Says, uh, I'm married to someone who doesn't want to go to church. My husband or wife, doesn't spend, uh, we don't spend much time together, so uh, our nights and weekends are precious to us. I don't know what opportunities are available. I, uh, I don't have enough information. I don't know what gifts God has given me. I don't have the skills required to serve. Uh, in other words, I can't run a computer or something like that. No one asked me. I hear that all the time. No one asked me. Uh, I, I'm serving in other ways outside of the church. I don't want to commit to anything in advance. That's a big one. I just don't want to commit. I'm, I live too far away. I don't know anyone who's serving in the area that I want to serve. I serve the people I know by encouraging them. I'm generous in other ways. Uh, serving is what what the young people do. They've got time and energy. We just got married and we're concentrating on our first year of being together. Everything seems under control. I'm not needed. I offered to serve, but no one got back to me. I, uh, I offered to serve, but I wasn't needed. I served for a while, but I felt unappreciated. I don't get anything out of it. I just don't want to do it. I want to encourage you, commit to Christ. Love Him and serve Him. See, if I love Him, I'm going to serve Him by serving others. Save people, serve people. Uh, I want to encourage you to pull the trigger and commit to action. Pull the trigger, commit to action. You can serve. God has a place. Um, I, we will find a place for anybody in this church to serve. If you say, I'm looking to serve, you go back to that table afterwards, 
take your paper and the bulletin. Here's what I'm interested in. Maybe there's something not on there. That's just a brief little thing that we put inside your bulletin. Put your name down. Stop by the life group table, and we will follow up with you because we want to help everybody serve. Why? Not because we're trying to build a big church, but because we're trying to build your life. See, when your life is built, you need the training wheels of the church. And when you come here on Sunday, this is not your total spiritual life. You go home and you read your Bible every day. You're growing in Christ. You have a spiritual life that is way beyond the two hours of Sunday. And when you come to serve, it is way beyond the two hours of Sunday. You come and you serve on Sunday or Wednesday or whenever it is in your ministry. And then you go out and God uses you to serve people. It becomes a way of life. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. Many, in other words, many people will talk, 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 talk. But who will actually follow through? Matthew 22, verse 33 through 40, Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is the first commandment. Obviously, that's why we're here to help you love the Lord your God with everything about you. And then he goes on to the next step. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All the law, all, everything that the prophets said, everything about this Bible hangs on those two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you cannot love God without loving others. Um, Galatians 5.14, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's over and over again we see this, that the whole law is summed up in this. Love your neighbor. Uh, we love a God that we cannot see by loving a neighbor that we can see. We love a God that we cannot see by loving our neighbor that we can see. In other words, listen, I'm, I'm, love, I'm in love with God, and I can't just do lip service. I have to do service. And so that comes out in multiple ways. Sometimes there are times that, uh, that, you are, that you are called to do things and you're helping people and it may even cost you something, may sacrifice something. I've told you before about my neighbor in the back. Um, I, I've been trying to cut their, their grass for this lady. She's an elderly lady and, and um, she's just not able to do it anymore. So I take their lawnmower and I cut the grass and, and I do the best that I can. And I'm not saying it's very good, but I do what I can do. And so one day this summer, I go over, and she came out, and she said, you might not want to cut close to those bushes because there's a bee's nest over there. And I'm calling an exterminator, so if you'll hit it next week, that'll be fine. So I went over there, and I looked, and sure enough, there's a big old paper nest of some sort of bees that I wasn't going to get near. The next week, I come by, and I had the lawnmower, and I said, well, she hit that. That's really nice. And I took my lawnmower, and I pushed into there, and let me tell you, the exterminator hadn't made it yet. And I found out the hard way what the cost of serving could be. And my whole neighborhood knew that I was alive. <laughs> I'll never forget it. So I put that in there, and boom, and I'm running, and I'm like, my neighbor, the other guy, he come running down the street, he goes, are you okay? I said, I've just been attacked by a swarm of bees. And I made it. But you see, it was pain, it was hard. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I've been a little smarter since then. <laughs> I'm still cutting the grass minus one swap. <laughs> one little, little, I have a little phobia now. But you see what happens? We're going in there, and I'm not, 
Oh, listen, God has a plan. God prepared in advance for me to cut my neighbor's grass. Whoa. I'm not sliding some piece of literature under her door and running. I'm being the church. And I want to encourage you to be the church because save people, serve people, so that those who have been served, so that the served people would become saved people. See, God saved you so that you could have eternal life so that you'll serve other people. And part of His plan is that these other people that you have served, they now become saved. Because what happens in your life? You're you're, you're doing something for somebody. They see an authentic, real Christian. Not somebody who's just giving lip service. They see somebody who is real. And so that's, that's what we want in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry. That's what we want in, in our adult ministries, all these small groups everywhere around the church. We want to see people who are connected to Christ that come out and live and be a real person for Jesus. There was a lady that went to a, to a nursing home every week just to be friendly. And this was her ministry to go and love and care for people. She said that, that that was what she was felt called to serve. So she went in there every week and she would see these people. And she noticed one day that there was a man who was particularly despondent. His head was always down and angry. So she came in one day. He had his, his dinner in front of him. And she said to him, she said, sir, um, are you okay? And he looks up at her and says, no, I'm not. And she says, well, what's wrong? The man replies back that, well, you see, I'm Jewish. And I can't even eat this food. It's not kosher. So the lady left. She went, she, uh, before she left, she asked him, she said, well, what do you want? He said, I would like some soup. So she went home, and she made some soup according to the kosher laws. And she came back, and she got permission and gave the man soup. And she started doing this. And every day she came to the nursing home, she brought soup and took care of the Jewish man. And you know what happened? The Jewish man started to perk up, started to become happy. And eventually the Jewish man became a follower of Jesus Christ. Because save people, serve people, all right? And I want to encourage you in your life. What, is the op- what are the opportunities? God has prepared something for you. What are we missing because we have an excuse? Listen, I understand there's legitimate things. I'm gone, I'm busy, I'm doing that. But what, what in, your, in your busyness, where you're at, what, is the, what are the people that we can serve all around us? I want to encourage you. My application today is this, that you will, number one, leave this place and in, in, uh, in find a place to serve in the church and outside the church. It's a lifestyle of serving. I, I serve my wife. I serve my kids. I serve my neighbors. And, you know, I, just something as simple as holding the door at the grocery store. Well, I guess they don't even hold them now, right? They open automatically, right? But holding the door wherever I was the other day, I held the door for somebody, and they looked at me like, wow. It's so uncommon in our culture to be kind. Uh, who, how can you serve somebody? Just watch what God's going to do. Maybe, maybe God's tugging at your heart to jump in over there with the, the teens uh, you know, and to love them, to learn a few names and, and care about them. Maybe God's tugging at you on the children's ministry. Maybe he's tugging at you to be, come and say, I'll, I'll wear an orange vest once a month. I'll help in the parking lot. I can do it every week. Whatever, whatever, whatever God's tugging at your heart. Can you see something that God is opening the door? And I'll tell you this. Once you take the step and you, and you jump in, it may not be the right fit at first. It's okay. That's how God directs us. And God will direct you to the place that he has for you. But I know this. God doesn't direct us when we sit here and, we, and we're afraid to jump. I want to encourage you to commit to action. Commit to action. Okay? Make that commitment to action. 
because you can serve. Years ago, I took the, the, yeah, the, the youth group up to the Ringgold High School pool, and I'll never forget, it was a fun time up there, um, and they had those dives. Now they have the lower dives, but back in that day, there was a much higher dive. And, uh, you know, when you're the youth pastor and, and all the kids are there, they kind of get you, you know, you got to be the hero type of thing, you know? So uh, I said, I'm going to go off that high dive. And they're like, yeah! There was just one problem. I didn't know how to swim, and I'd never gone off a high dive in my life. So I remember climbing up the high dive, and I'm like, okay, all right, this isn't so bad. And it wasn't. Going up the ladder wasn't bad at all. And, uh, and in the back, they have these little rails there, you know? And I was, I was kind of holding on to the rails, and then I got out to the edge. And I'll never forget, there was my youth group looking at me. And I'm going, and I'm just kind of bouncing around. I'm like, and I... All the kids are like, you can do it. And I'm looking, I'm like, it's deep. I don't know how to swim. I'd like to live a long, happy life. I had all these things going through my mind. And then I made the commitment. And I walked off. And a man of my caliber, I think I found the bottom of the pool. (laughs) I came back up out of that water, treading like a dog. I made it back to the side. I went back up. Here's where some of you are at. You're on that diving board. You're you're feeling it. You're like, man, I know I need to to serve. I I could do this for my neighbor. I could do this. Listen, God has a plan for you out there. He's not going to let you drop. Let's close in prayer. With your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to encourage you to, to find where it is that God wants you to serve. I'm not trying to build our church program. I'm trying to build your life. I want to see God transform your life to, uh, to give you the joy of serving, to love God and love others. This is the greatest commandment. The first and greatest is to love God. The second is to love others. If, if we claim that we love God and don't love others, we have a problem. And I want to encourage you to, to, uh, to take this thought and to, to find out where in, the, where in the church can I serve? I belong here. I'm part of the family of God. Where am I serving? Maybe I can sing. I can play an instrument. I can, I can, uh, I can pull weeds. I can, I can help the men on Wednesdays. I can, I, I can do whatever. And there's a, the list goes on and on. Fill out that list. Drop it in the at the table in the back of the auditorium. Uh, Maybe God's speaking to you about cutting your neighbor's grass, even though there's bees nests. Maybe God's talking to you. You're on on that diving board, and you're ready. You're ready to jump, but you're just afraid. There's excuses. There's all these things. May I bring you back to the truth of God's Word? He has called you. You're His masterpiece. He's working on you, and He has prepared in advance good things for you to do. I want to encourage you, don't miss out on it. Because once you start doing them, God prepares more and more and more. And, and you just get this whole fulfillment of God when you're, you're, you're expressing your love by serving. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person in this place. May they open their hearts to, to what you're doing in their heart, Lord. I, I don't know, you're speaking to us in all different ways, God. But I thank you for the church. I love, love, love the church, Lord. Because you love the church. 
and because we are the masterpieces of God. We're here all together, and we're, we're looking unto you and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. God, I'm going to serve my neighbor. I'm going to love my neighbor because that's what you've called us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song and worship the Lord. Treasure of greatest price, healer, giving. It's who you are, it's who you are.